welcome to another episode of Talks from St. Peter's, a podcast bringing you live recordings of talks from our services at St. Peter's Church in Derby, a community of faith, hope and love in the heart of the city. In this series of three sermons over the next three weeks, I want to go through one of the great prayers in the Bible from Paul in the book of Ephesians. The reason why I'm doing this is because here is a prayer that gives confidence in God's love, assurance of God's faithfulness, and certainty in God's power. And as we cautiously transition out of lockdown and begin exploring the process of returning to St. Peter's, and you approach a season without a vicar, this is a very relevant prayer for us all. Paul's prayer begins in verses 14 and 15. For this reason, that is, because of Jesus' matchless life and unique message and saving death on a cross and resurrection hope, Paul says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God is the God of all human beings. He loves all people. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel. Today, we do not live in a kneeling culture although it has been interesting to observe the growing momentum with bowing the knee as a protest against race inequality. In Paul's day, the normal Jewish posture for prayer was not to kneel, but to stand or lie prostrate on the ground. And to this day, if you go to the old city of Jerusalem and visit that place of prayer and pilgrimage, sacred to the Jewish people known as the Western or Wailing Wall, most stand and pray. Paul is a prisoner. In chains, and these chains allow him to kneel. There's something fitting about the kneeling position in prayer. It is reverent, and it makes respective positions of God and ourselves so plain. Paul is a prisoner in chains, and these chains allow him to kneel. There's something fitting about them. Kneeling was an act of humility and surrender before God. It was also what you would do before your superior. So a peasant would kneel before a king, a slave before his master, simply just as a knight would get down on one knee in front of their lord as a display of respect, obedience and loyalty. Even today, when a man proposes to a woman, he gets down on one knee, as I did with Jeanette on the embankment of the River Trent at West Bridge. How long does he stay there on one knee? For the rest of his life, if he's any brains at all. When you kneel, you declare you're not in control. You did not make the rain to fall, the sun to shine today, nor the sun to rise and set. You're not in control of your life. However, we live in a world where it will do everything it can to make you think you are in control with all the education that's available and the technology at our fingertips. I've been learning again what a good thing it is to not be able to control outcomes. With uncertainty ahead of me, my spiritual journey through this time of lockdown has led me down unexpected paths. There have been moments when I found myself strangely energized. This ensured I keep looking in the right direction. However, there have also been moments where my mind has spiraled towards anxiety, and then I've had to be disciplined and focused, praying constantly to Jesus, Lord, help me to trust you to be my best, loving, joyful, confident, non-anxious self. The opportunity to trust God in the middle of not knowing what is to come is at the heart of the life of faith. We don't know the outcomes of particular circumstances, only God knows. As I look to the future, in many aspects it is uncertain, and it's certainly new, for I've never retired before. This will be a unique experience, as we're doing all the cooking and cleaning when Jeanette is out of work, or most of it anyway. 
And concerning St. Peter's in the city, in what ways will lockdown impact the life of the church? We still do not really know. But what we do know is this. God's kingdom was doing great before creation, doing great before lockdown, and his kingdom is doing great right now. Our calling is to trust and to love and to be generous. Jesus said, if someone asks for your shirt, give him your cloak as well. That's not a law. It doesn't mean that whenever anyone asks you for anything, you're obligated to give it to them. It's an illustration of life in the kingdom, of being generous because you trust in God's generosity. If there was ever a time we ought to take this seriously, it's now. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. In giving, we're not ultimately trusting in our brilliance and our plans. Ultimately, when we give, we're trusting God. We're letting go because God is in control, and we most certainly are not. And it's when we're on our knees that we're most surrendered and dependent, most submitted and open as channels for God's strength and power, energy and love. Paul prays in verse 16 of Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, these next words are just incredible, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. There was once a strong man at a circus. At the end of his act, he would squeeze all the water out of a sponge and then offer 100 pounds to anyone who could squeeze one more drop out of that sponge. Nobody ever collected such was his strength until one day he made the offer and an older gentleman with glasses and a beard walked up took the sponge and squeezed an entire glass of water out of it. The strong man was stunned. Who are you, he asked, and what do you do? The man said, I'm Tim, and I work for the tax man. Sorry about that, Tim. God loves tax collectors. Unseen power in the most unexpected places. Paul says something like this is going to happen in your life. You will be strengthened in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. This, in verse 17, is sometimes called the doctrine of the indwelling of Christ. Jesus will take up residence inside you. He'll convict you of sin, provide you with wisdom, prompt ideas you would never think about, bring courage to your heart, peace to your soul, love to your relationships. Jesus will do this. In the Greek, Paul uses two words for dwelling. One describes temporary residence, as on a holiday, where you stay somewhere overnight. Paul uses it in Ephesians 2 about followers of Jesus dwelling temporarily on earth. And the other word means to settle down to make a place your permanent residence. He uses the word in verse 17 here to describe what Jesus is doing in you and me. For us at St. Peter's in the city, we believe this process of the transformation of our character by the indwelling Jesus that purifies us of sin and draws us to the love of God and dependence on the Spirit from one moment to the next is the most important process going on in the universe. Next to this, political systems, economic systems, educational programs pale in comparison. This kingdom has conveyed all of them. Only God can do this in the human life. That this goes on, and that the church treasures this and stewards it well, matters more than any of us can imagine. This great power that God wants to pour into you is where Paul is going in this prayer. In verses 18 to 19, his prayer is that you may have power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. It's like it's so intense, so inside his bones. 
he can't contain it. And so he breaks into doxology, into praise, as he stumbles, trying to contain himself. And this enthusiasm and passion and spiritual confidence continues in verses 20 to 21. Let's say this together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is spiritual reality, and it's way bigger than human plans. Here is a thought for you to live with now, to take hold of, reflect on today and ponder as you go to bed tonight and into this coming week. Our God is able. But maybe you ask this, how able is our God? He's able to do what you ask, but there is more. He's able to do what you ask and what you imagine, but there is more. He's able to do all you ask and all you imagine, but there is more. He's able to do more than all you ask and more than all you imagine. God is able. The day after I told you the news that I'm retiring, I sent emails to many people, mostly associated with work, but also to friends to let them know our news. One email went to Sue and Headley. I first met them in 2001 when I was completing a final year in Southern Diocese, working in the churches in Normanton on Saw and Sutton Bonington. I was a single parent at the time. They were very friendly and I went over to their home a few times for meals and it was good to be their friend. One Sunday morning, Headley walked in and Sue, and Sue noticed a twinkle in my eye, a sparkle in my smile, a better joke in my sermon or whatever it was, and she concluded that I had met someone very special. In fact, it was the day after I had first met Jeanette. In my email to Headley and Sue, I wrote, I'll always remember, Sue, how you just knew I'd met a very special lady that Sunday. You saw something, maybe stars in my eyes, Whatever it was, you spotted it. And on September the 7th, we celebrate our 18th wedding anniversary. Sue replied as follows, and you may wonder, where am I going with this story? Well, here's the connection with my sermon today. Sue wrote, I remember that day very well too. It wasn't difficult to spot you'd met someone special. To me, it was written all over your face. When, when I'm feeling low and wondering what God is doing when bad things happen, I often think of your story. I remember that God can do more than we can think or ask and that he is a faithful God. Friends, these are great verses to encourage your faith and mine, and we need to allow God's word to encourage us in the challenges and uncertainties we all face. Yes, God is able, but still there is more. He's able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. When Paul gets to the word immeasurably, he's taken it out of the realm of the merely human. What is human can be measured. What the people of Derby can do with creativity and brilliance can be measured. What governments and think tanks, educational systems and economic policy can do can be measured. But what if God wants to do something immeasurable in you? Paul's prayer is not for God to help the Ephesians feel good or happy, wealthy or successful. It is that we would be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would know Jesus dwelling in our hearts and know his unconditional love for us and know his power at work in us so that Jesus would be glorified. This is about God's blessing to us and in us and overflowing from us to those around us. How will this happen? 
by being a community of faith, hope and love in the heart of the city, serving the people who come to St. Peter's and serving our neighbours around us in humility and love. Let us continue being part of what God is doing in growing his kingdom, because God is the God of the immeasurably more. Are you up for that? I hope so. I pray so. But after 11 with you, years with you, of this I'm convinced. St. Peter's does not want to be known as the rich church or the poor church, the evangelical church or the conservative church, the smart church or the gifted church, the strict church or the lenient church. Instead, St. Peter's wants to be known as the church that believes our God can do immeasurably more. Please join with me in asking God for the power to do not what's possible for us, but what's impossible for us. And in asking God for this, I want to ask something of you. It would really help if we could do our best to to say this prayer every day in these coming days. Could you try this? Maybe you'll memorize it, but I assure you there will not be a test on Sunday. Every morning when I wake up, I will say this prayer. Let's say this again together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So over the next two weeks, we'll look at this prayer together. And in the meantime, my first thought of the day, my last thought at night will be this. God is able. My God is able. Our God is able to do immeasurably more. Let this be the focus of our spiritual journey. Father God, where do you want to do immeasurably more in my life, in my character? My generosity, my ministry, my work, my retirement, my relationships. We're going to pray together now, and I want to ask you to do something that I've not asked you to do before. Paul knelt in prayer. So I'm asking you, would you kneel right now if you're physically able to do this? If you're not, maybe just have that kneeling attitude in your heart. Let's move to a kneeling position if we can. And so I pray. We bow our hearts before you, Father God. You are the creator of everything that we see in heaven and on earth. We pray that out of your glorious unlimited resources, you would strengthen our hearts and minds through the power of your Holy Spirit. May your love be the rich soil in which our lives are rooted. May your love be the firm foundation on which we build, so that together with all your people everywhere, we would come to truly understand how long, how high, how wide, and how deep your love really is, how it far surpasses anything we can imagine. Father God, fill us with your fullness and the power that comes from you alone, so that our lives would reflect your goodness and grace to the world around us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. Peter's is a diverse community of faith, hope and love in the heart of the city. If you'd like to know more, you can find us online at stpetersderby.org.uk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talks from St. Peter's and we hope you will join us again for our next talk in about a week's time.